So the labyrinth is a piece of cake, is it? Well, let's see how you deal with this little slice. On this episode of the Retro Rewind Podcast. Reflux capacitors, fluxing, crew to stations, scanning for Labyrinth 1986. Prepare to rewind in three, two, one. It's very familiar about all this. Yeah, right? Welcome, Rewinders and new listeners to the Retro Rewind Podcast, where we take a fresh look at movies and games from 15 or more years ago. I'm your captain of the pod, Francisco Ruiz, and I'm joined by your ex on mine, Paul, the master of soundboarder powers. Who's ready to dance, magic, dance, magic, dance. <laughs> totally ready for that, Paul. Right. Also, for this discussion of the film Labyrinth, we welcome aboard for the first time speaker, singer, actor, artist, podcaster, pastor, writer, wronger, gamer, geek, father, and friend, all of which mean nothing if it doesn't reflect Jesus, Tony Talavera. Hey, Tony. You remind me of the babe. <laughs> the babe with power? The what power? Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I am delighted and tickled to be here on the Retro Rewind podcast, talking about 15-plus-year-old stuff with you Aww, guys. yay. So yeah. glad you're here, Tony. And right. in addition to Tony, we are glad to have back aboard entertainment officer Chris Cowan. Hey, Chris. Hey, always, uh, always a pleasure to be on here. I am also tickled to be on here, and I would like you to stop tickling me please it's kind of an invasion of my that, personal that space. was in the the contract though chris you signed that you, i could tickle you whenever i want i know but it's just a little, it's a little like you're, you're just kind of focusing on on the same areas and i've tickled diversity i think like, <laughs> okay. so i need to I need <laughs> move my tickling around okay i, can, I think i'm I just feeling that i'm feeling uncomfortable okay i'm just feeling okay, i'm tired of this bit I'm uncomfortable with this bit now. <laughs> Legal department just says that he did agree to I, your name, give permission to Francisco. Oh, my God, Tony. To tickle me liberally at their leisure. I'm reading it right here. That's word for word. Now that you have a not so quick flyby of who we are, Paul, can you give us a quick overview of the production specs for Labyrinth? All right, sure. Labyrinth was released August 26th in the year 2002. Oh runs an hour and 55 minutes. What is this that you're talking about, Paul? Labyrinth. Directed by Miroslav Lekic. 1986's Labyrinth Paul, directed by Jim That one. Hold on. Wait. This isn't the Guillermo del Toro one? This isn't Pan's Labyrinth. The guy with the hands, yeah. Oh, hold on. Let me go back and watch the right one. (laughs) Where the Nazi gets his face bashed in. Oh, my God. (laughs) Labyrinth was released no. June 27th, 1986 and runs an hour and 41 minutes and is rated PG. It was directed by Jim Henson, written by Dennis Lee, Jim Henson, and Terry Jones, with lead stars being David Bowie, Jennifer Conley, and Brian Henson. The well, music was so wonderfully, Paul. Good job. Well, yes. <laughs> uh, the, the music was composed by Trevor Jones and original songs by David Bowie. Are you ready for the box office trivia? I am ready. Uh, Chris and Tony, are you guys ready? Born ready, baby. Yes. Awesome. And everyone live here in chat, well, feel free to join in as well. Go for it, Paul. Labyrinth was made for about $25 million and earned only just over $13 million at the box Ooh. office. So, given this fact, how high in the box office do you think it ranks among the movies released theatrically in 1986? And this time, we'll go for the top 70. That's 7-0. 70, okay. 
Tony, what is your guess for where places in the movies that came out in 1986? I assume that every uh, movie that came out in 1986 ranked under Transformers the movie. So I'm going to say we're going to give that a nice 62. 62. All right. Uh, How about you, Chris? That's a tough one. I can think of tons of movies that came out in 1985, but 1986... I don't remember a lot of movies that came out that year, um, but it, at, I mean, at like half the budget, in re- at least, I'm going to say 53. 53, all right. Um, uh, let's see, in chat, we have uh, several responses here. We got, uh, let's see here, <clears throat> uh, Miss Wyndham says, just strap 70. Uh, Bobo, Sway Knight says 42, of course. Uh, D. Tungsten says 70. Ashley says 62. Dale says 20. Oh, okay. So, so a little higher. I'm going to go with, uh, 69 dudes. That's what I'm going to go with. <laughs> um, Paul, nice. where did it finally end up? Well, according to the, according to the hyphen numbers.com, Tony and Ashley hit it right on the head with 62. Really? What? Wow. What? Somebody call my mama. <laughs> well, well done, guys. Fantastic. Oh, you will speed get. Though. I'll do that right now. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> why? Why I oughta? <laughs> <laughs> um, let's not get to fisticuffs quite yet, guys. Okay, uh, Power Rangers, let's do it. <laughs> the wrong movie completely, Paul. But thank you for those factoids. And let's see if any of them factor into our memory mind meld or subsequent roundtable discussion, which we'll get into when Dallas has located our target film. Alert, alert. Target located. Spoilers incoming. Establishing analysis vector. Jim Henson, creator of The Muppets. <laughs> And George Lucas, creator of Star Wars, team up to take you on a magical journey to a world of fantasy and adventure. There's nothing to be afraid of. The dazzling world of Labyrinth. Yes, the da- dazzling world, world of Labyrinth, you might say. Um, and maybe our memories were bedazzled by this movie. Uh, but let's find out what our memory mind well snaps. Don't look at me that way, Chris. <laughs> Labyrinth was. A teenage rocketeer lady has a bad attitude about babysitting a baby, so she prays to some goblins to take the baby away. And they do. But before gaining her sights on Top Gun's Maverick... What? Sarah has to solve Ziggy Stardust's maze to to save her brother. Androgynous 80s rock star Dave Bowie sings a bizarre song about the baby while wearing overly tight pants. Meanwhile, a beautiful mind's... A beautiful mind's wife collects friends like an adventure RPGs game. An adventure's RPGs game. RPG game. Wow. Pro tip. Whenever you confront a kidnapper, just tell him, you have no power over me, and all the problems go away. Finally, Sarah realizes her brother is more important than her stuff. Well, some of that was right, but some of it was... Based on those memories, as flawed as they were, what range did they lead you to predict for this film before rewatching it? Classic, nostalgic, or tragic? Let's start with uh, Tony again. What was your prediction for this movie? 
Oh, this was a tough one because I want for me, it's a classic for me. This goes uh, top shelf. I mean, this is a legendary movie, but I don't okay. know that everybody that watches this movie is is going to feel the same way. I feel like it becomes more if, from my understanding, uh, kind of a thing that, oh, you loved it if you were there, but it didn't so, really translate. I'm going to pause you. This is your prediction Please. before you rewatch it, not your final reign for after you watch. No, 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 no. This is this is this is this was me kind of banding okay, so about in my mind because I. On, I you know how you remember liking something a lot yes. and then you watch it again. You're like, oh, oh, yeah. Uh, so I, yeah. I was thinking it, I felt like a classic, but then I, mm-hmm. I settled on it's going to be nostalgic. Before I watched it, I said it's it, it might just be seven year old me, eight year old me watching this movie, loving it, but not me. Gotcha. So your prediction was nostalgic when Pre-watch. you sort of factored all those things in. Got yes. it. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Chris, what was your prediction for this film? Yeah, my prediction was uh, also nostalgic. I think mm-hmm. it's yeah, That's it's all. just that way. Okay. <laughs> well, just I mean, I I didn't I didn't see it for the first time till I was like fourteen, and it didn't. Leave. Oh, really? Okay. Okay. I don't know, ten years or more. So like, it was gotcha. kind of I saw it a little bit later than mm-hmm. you know. I didn't like see it in theaters and like necessarily like grow up with it in my formula sure. formulative years. Yeah, um, yeah, but it was like, like you know, it's it's definitely has that eighties fantasy classic feel, and so I kind of figured, ah, nostalgic Absolutely. for the people who okay. grew up with it. Totally fair. Uh, Paul, how about yourself? Where was your prediction? Uh, nostalgic. Nostalgic. Okay. Uh, <laughs> expand. No. Um, and then for me, nostalgic. actually, it's oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Expanded. Turn back. Don't go on. Go back while you still can. This is not the way. Take heed. Oh, shut up. I'm sorry, just doing my job. Well, you don't have to do it to us. For me, I actually predicted classic because it's weird. Like, I know, I I feel like we may have covered this movie before. I, I don't know. But, I mean, maybe. Yeah, hopefully, since... This is where the riddle that uh, Jared gave us uh, pointed. For those that don't know what we're talking about, check out our ship's log number three. Uh, But uh, I predicted classic because um, I remember when I have seen this as a kid, I liked it. Um, And uh, every time I've watched it since, it's gotten better. So it'll be interesting to see if those... What was that, uh, Chris? It has a disobedient child in it. The, The baby? No, no, the, the main protagonist. Yeah, well, we may Jennifer talk Connelly. about why that isn't a sticking point later. Okay, well, why all right, okay. I'm, Maybe I'm, why I'm it jumping is. the gun. I'm just shocked. Yeah. I'm just shocked. Okay. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see if those predictions come true. But first, let's get into our discussion of the things we liked most about Labyrinth. Let's spin up our... Best bets. All right, and let's start with uh, Tony. What is one thing you liked, not your favorite thing, but one thing you did like about Labyrinth, specifically in this viewing? Uh, uh, wow, there are so many memorable moments. You know, there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of these movies, especially kind of 80s movies, they might have one moment that makes the trailer or the poster or yeah. that gets a playset made out of it. So th- that kind of becomes the iconic one scene. But this movie, every single scene is a gem. I mean, every interaction mm. that she has with characters, there's so many unique. It's like the Odyssey. 
from from door knockers to the oubliette oh, to the, to the pod. Yeah. There's just so many cool set pieces in this. And and I can't think of any other movie from my childhood that just has so many unique, standout, <sighs> charming, terrifying moments. Like mm-hmm. if they if they made action figures of this when I was a kid, I would have had to buy so many play sets. And uh, <laughs> and I just love that. There there was just yes. so many great memorable moments in the movie. Yeah, I'll, I'll actually springboard off that into something I like because it's similar. It's tied to that. And that's all the creative and original creatures in this film. You got Hoggle. You got the Truth and Lying Doors. You have Ludo, Didymus. Uh, so many, so many interesting creatures that were so original. I feel like Henson of this era is, was very good at coming up with original concepts for creatures. And so I thought that was really interesting and certainly kept me engaged. Like, wow, what's this, this thing? And I, so I only have one quibble that would actually goes against both those, uh, both my like and yours, Tony, but we'll save that for later. Uh, Chris, were the creatures or the moments in this film, something you enjoyed or was there something else you really liked? I think, um, for me, one of the, one of the highlights, uh, for me was that, um, the, like the MC Escher staircase scene. Oh, yes. MC Escher, he kind of yeah. is the famous artist for all those, those bizarre stairs with people walking in different directions. And mm-hmm. he does a lot of those kind of like impossible paintings and, and drawings and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so I just like that scene to me is just very iconic and it's, it's a good, yeah. uh, it's a good space. To kind of hold the climax, you're you're yeah. dealing with this labyrinth the whole way through, and like, how do you kind of build off of that labyrinth concept? Yeah. I never thought well, about that. You have yes, the stairs yeah. go in different directions, and like gravity and takes takes a different turn, and all that kind of stuff. And so I thought that was kind of a fun climactic twist. Uh, Absolutely, to have at the end. yes, that's great. Yeah. And I also yeah. like that they seed that because they have a picture of MC Escher's staircase thing in her room at the beginning. So I like how right. that. Oh, do they? I totally didn't know yeah, notice. Yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Every oh, time cool. I watch this movie, I see something else in her room that's yeah. that's showcased yes. later on in the movie. I mean, mm-hmm. everything that she encounters is mm-hmm. in her room. Well, yeah. except I, I one of the, I, what I noticed this time around in her room is a Judge Dredd comic. Which back really? in the 80s is like violent and stuff. And I'm like, what is yeah. this teenage girl doing <laughs> the Judge Dredd comic? <laughs> it was it was Toby's. She had to come. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Never trust a baby in stripy pajamas. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. It's a Where's Waldo I just thought a whole it was, movie about it. I, I thought it was interesting that they had a David Bowie album in there, too, as well. <laughs> Oh, right. Was it a cassette or was it a record? I forget. I, I read about that, but I didn't what, see it. Was there, was there actually? I don't know. I'm I think so. I, well, I know there's so. a David Bowie okay. uh, picture or a statue of him or something. There's a statue, statue. Of, of, of a Goblin King-esque. Goblin King, yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. All right. <clears throat> well, so you noticed lots of things, Paul. What's something you noticed that struck your fancy about Labyrinth? Well, I, I'm going to have to agree with Chris and, and Tony about the set piece of the of the, I, the MC Escher yeah, uh, climax. Yeah. Um, I'll, the only thing I'll add to that is that uh, I've seen other movies, and I can't think off the top of my head where I've seen it or TV shows where they tried to recreate such a... A, a landscape like that before, mm-hmm. and nothing has ever been done quite as well as Labyrinth here. Yeah, I know Inception did it once, where um, two of the characters are walking up a, a stair, and then you look, they, the camera shifts, and you look like you can like drop right down. 
because of yeah. how it was. But That's yes, ask, but it's not quite the yeah, yeah. yeah. This is taking that to like the. 10th degree for sure right and, and in that scene it's not just the visual the music that song within you that's playing it just adds to that intensity and that that kind of offbeat staccato feeling it's very yes. off, it's it's unsettling and it's yeah, powerful yeah. and it's it's almost dream-esque and like you know those dreams where it's either you're running away and you can't get away from someone or you get you go try and go through a, a portal but it just gets tighter and tighter it had that sort of anxiety feeling like she can't ever seem to catch up to wherever the baby is no matter which way she goes so. and she's naked and she hasn't studied for her algebra test oh my gosh who hasn't had that dream okay me, me. <laughs> <laughs> no i that you know what i just wish i had come up with something as comedic as that tony that's no, what, I, they, what i'm chafing they, against they have to hide in the school bathroom <laughs> and it's in you know having the janitor call your mom to bring you some clothes I'm all sorry. right, all right. Nostalgic and classic, kids. Oh my goodness! And tragic. Uh, let's since you want to keep talking, Tony. Why don't you give us one more thing you liked about this film? I would be delighted. I'm so sorry. No, <laughs> no, no it's. I um, give you a hard time now. Give me a hard time. It's a. It's tip for tat over here. So you, you, I'll play off of what what you said. You talked about kind of the 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 characters. The yeah, play. yeah. I think that the puppetry in this, and I, I used to be a puppeteer at Disney World. I think that was actually kind of how the connection got made when oh, wow. uh, to, 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 to get the yes, invite for me. Yes, to come yes, to yes. Who did so you know I, at Disney World? Who did I know? Or uh, I mean, or, I or who I, did you puppeteer at Disney? World? That, yeah, oh, uh, yeah. So my primary was the genie from Aladdin. Oh, wow. oh cool. But I also okay. did. Um, I also did Hugo from Hunchback of Notre Dame and oh, wow. from Pocahontas, and I did a bunch of different things. But genie was my wow. my go to. A figment oh, from awesome. Epcot, if you're familiar with florida disney sure um, cool. dragon yeah so um it, it, the, the puppets of this movie are are outstanding i mean they're just yeah. outstanding and 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 like i never once when i'm watching this movie think of hoggle as a puppet character he yeah is yeah a living breathing character and <laughs> and and the, the other actors i mean there's not a lot of human actors in the labyrinth right but sarah mm -hmm. sells this you know jared yes. sells this they they interact with this character like he is a a, a real life being and and not just those i mean the 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 giant mecha goblin that comes out of the doors of the goblin city is mm -hmm. incredible. But the, to me, okay, the most, the most memorable, like as far as like puppeteering and unconventional puppeteering were the helping hands. I have never oh, seen anything yeah. like that. Yes. And so that's simple. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. You know, what's strange about that scene. And it gets me almost every time. Have you guys ever seen, it's a Bill Pullman, like, zombie-esque movie called Rainbow and the Baseball. Serpent. Baseball! No, wait, Not sorry, what? Baseballs. It's called Rain either Serpent and the Rainbow or Rainbow and the Serpent. Serpent and the Rainbow is, is familiar, yeah. Yeah, I feel like there's a similar scene where he's falling and there's all these hands around him or something. I don't think they catch him. It's supposed to be a lot more horrific. But yeah. I always sort of, like, confuse those scenes for whatever reason. But anyway, uh, that's neither here nor you're, there. You're allowed to confuse Bill Pullman and Bill Paxton, but you're never allowed to confuse Bill Pullman and Jennifer Connelly. I can confuse whoever I want, Tony. Who are you, you again? Watching Spaceballs, and that's it. I'll allow Independence Day if you want, <laughs> or Newsies, but that's about it. Okay, okay. Um, uh, Paul, what would you allow as another like of this film? Well, speaking of uh, puppetry... Uh, Ludo is my favorite character. I mean, oh, hands down. Really? Amazing. Yeah. Ludo. Uh, yeah. Ow. Smells bad. Right. He's just lovable. And the puppetry behind him is amazing. And mm -hmm. it it's, yeah. 
Am I wrong that one of the arms is sort of like slack or not moving because the the hand of the puppeteer was doing the mouth and the other hand was the, the other arm of the person? Or Yeah, it's a, it's a dead arm puppet. It's the similar to what they use, like Bear in the Big Blue House. Uh-huh. Um, that was yeah. actually the largest uh, puppet that Jim Henson had ever built for one person to operate. Oh, wow. uh, they, they built it a couple times, but it was so heavy. They kept having to remake it and remake it until they finally got it yeah. down to about 75 pounds. Uh-huh. And uh, they, they got two different guys, one guy who operated it in the voice. And then they had a stand in guy to operate it because it was just too physically daunting for him yeah. to run it for a whole shoot. Wow. Yeah. You can actually see the same thing. If you look closely at uh, Joe Biden, you can. <laughs> oh Same puppetry. <laughs> wow. We'll have to watch out for that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I'll look next time during his press conference. Okay. I'm, I'm, mu- I'm muting my microphone. Now. <laughs> <laughs> um, Chris, was the puppeteering of Joe Biden something that you really gravitated to in this movie, or is there something else? Um, no, I mean the 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 puppetry was fantastic. I mean it's. It's yeah. Jim Henson at his Jim Henson, Jim Hensiest. <laughs> and it's yes. like just tons of creative character designs and, and being techniques, especially for the eight. Like it's, it's just really just from an appreciation of the art of Muppetry. And like, especially like mm-hmm. if you just love the, the history of Jim Henson with Muppets and Sesame street and, Mm-hmm. And all that, and Star Wars, and and just yes, his and Frank Oz's involvement in in like movies. This is just a great kind of time capsule of you know Jim Henson puppetry, puppet mastery. I think it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I, I so often feel like uh, it, I think it's the most apparent in the Ninja Turtles movies. But after he died, it seemed like. All the realism that his puppets seem to evoke just evaporated. I don't know if it's a combination of how his puppets were filmed and also how they were made, but something just got lost. And now it, it never seems like it, the magic is captured in quite the same way. Well, um, I thought that they did a good job in Muppets Christmas Carol. I was going to say that, Paul. That's yeah. the best Muppet movie. I know Jim Henson wasn't alive, but it's the best Muppet movie and the best Christmas Carol ever made. So just say. Well, I'm sorry. Then now I'm going to have to disagree with you, Chris. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) so close to a partnership, but now, no, opinion is wrong. Oh my god! But I I do I do notice a lack of of I don't know what it is, but the lack of realism versus interaction or something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This was this is peak puppeteering. I mean, this is this is they wrote this movie in a limo, leaving I think the premiere of the Dark Crystal. They basically came up with the concept for this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Toby, the baby Toby, his father was one of the guys that did the design work for the movie, and it was him, him and his wife and Jim Henson were in the limo, and they're like, "What do we do next?" Because they swore when they were making Dark Crystal they weren't going to make another movie, and then they're like, (laughs) "Let's make another movie." So they pitched the idea, (laughs) and they did it. And but you're looking at, I mean, the guys who did this, and this was the best of the best. I think after Ninja Turtles, you really started to see the 3D animation. Pixar kind of came over. And the yeah, demand yeah. and desire, artists weren't really following the puppet path anymore. And it became more of a mm-hmm. niche art form. But this was the height of puppetry. This was this yeah. was where, yeah. where the, I see the, that. The, the renaissance of puppeteering. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. how would you say, that, like, like, just pitting this against Dark Crystal, how would you say the puppetry in this 
compares to Dark Crystal? Hmm. I think it, it's it's better, and I'll tell you why. It's the same reason that you think that the the Muppets Christmas Carol is the best Muppets and the best Christmas Carol, <laughs> because there's something that happens when you're watching only puppets, mm-hmm. but there's something that's that's far more magical when you're watching puppets interact with people and you believe oh, it. Yeah, oh, yeah, because there aren't people. That's in a Dark great Crystal, point, right? No. And yeah, that's the yeah, way yeah. That, that's the way that Michael Caine played Scrooge is he played it like he wasn't talking to puppets. He mm-hmm. played it like yeah. he was talking to actors. And that's what that I mean, that's why this movie. That's why you believe Hoggle. That's why you believe Ludo. Uh, and it's yeah. it's really hard to make a puppet look good when it's interacting with humans because you can't suspend disbelief. Any any fakery and trickery with the puppets becomes immediately obvious. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah. that's an awesome insight. Tony, that's a great for point. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Chris, did you so was the puppeteering that was the other thing you liked, or was yeah. there something else? Okay, okay. Yeah, I'll go with that. Um, for me, my last like before I get to our classic makers, guys, and this has nothing to do with anything. So it's like this is a hard segue. I'm gonna say that how quickly this movie sort of gets going after the long cred sequence with the owl, which took entirely too long in my opinion. But that is how movies were back in the A's, I understand. Uh, but it's just like you, you get the premise of she doesn't like her brother and her brother's gone. And then she's on this quest. I feel, and then it just, I, it seems like the movie's paced very well for the vast majority. There's a little quibble I'll have at the, that we'll talk about in the next section, um, that I have with it, but I feel like it's, it's done really well. So that's my other like. Uh, but now let's get to the things we, our favorite things about the movie Labyrinth. I'm going to go with Paul this time first. What's your favorite thing, Paul? The best thing about this movie, in my opinion, is the the two main human stars being David Bowie and Jennifer Connelly. Um, oh, okay. They you really don't think carry, Sting would have been better? They really carry this movie. Well, I think, I don't know, but I think David Bowie did a phenomenal job. He in did. fact, yeah, I I'm, wish I'm being he had acted more in more yeah, roles. But, yes, yes, yes. He's a um, Zoolander. That was something. I know. Besides that, <laughs> he probably, Nick, probably Nikola, offered other roles that he's like. He was Nikola Tesla in uh, The Prestige. Oh, yeah, oh, that's, that's right. right. He was. I forgot yeah. about that. He did great as that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So but you would I, like to see more. OK. Yeah. That's yeah. But I, I I thought they they did really well acting wise, like mm-hmm. making you believe like these are more than just puppets. These are actually characters in a yeah, movie that they're yeah. interacting with. And, and it, they kept me intrigued. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, let's go to Chris next. What's your favorite, most favorite thing about Labyrinth? Yeah. So my classic maker is really just the, you know, it's kind of what Tony said at the very beginning, like just the, mm-hmm. the vision, the, the attention to, to detail from just from yes. a design standpoint. Yeah. You know, in terms of the, um, the matte paintings and the set construction and the the detail that they put into the visuals of the puppets as well as just like the 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 mechanics of them like it's just mm-hmm. like from, from a technical and artistic visual standpoint there's just a lot of eye candy and i think and i'm not, not talking about jennifer connelly uh, um <laughs> Or how about David but, Bowie? She was uh, she was fourteen when she filmed this movie, man. So you're going to get put on a list. I that's, think that's that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying Jennifer. Yeah, Connelly. She, he's not saying that. I'm not saying that. David Bowie, on the other hand, he's just androgynous enough to where I go, <laughs> I'm almost there. But going to mute my microphone. 
<laughs> Lots of mutiny happening tonight. Okay. As long as it's yeah, not so mutiny. There you go. That's perfect. Okay. Uh, very, okay. Yeah. You know what? And I, I'm just going to echo that. It's not my classic maker, but I, yeah, it's just so, the attention to detail in this is so, the only, the only thing I'll say to that is with the map panes, I don't know. I, I don't think you could do it, but the clouds not moving distracts me. It distracts me in Princess Bride. It distracts me in anything from this year. And I get that's why they're like on a slant and there's lots of layers so that you don't really focus on that. But it's maybe it just like, wasn't a windy day, Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> maybe just think about hey, think about this with in the in the, the 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 idea that maybe David Bowie, maybe Jareth is not taking her to a real place. He's he's taking her mm. to a a, a manufactured not real reality fantasy realm maybe think about the fact that there's freaking animals with interchangeable heads and and hands Mm. and things and maybe like if you can believe in that you can believe that the clouds won't move just say don't don't give me your logic right now guys okay (laughs) the clouds don't move at 13 o'clock francisco (laughs) come on uh tony yeah man it uh, looks like it's classic o'clock for you. So what's I love your it. classic maker? So I, I, I just I hate to to jump on on and rip off Paul, but you're exactly right. The 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 casting of this movie, and I didn't realize this. I did a little bit of research in the official Jim Henson <laughs> wow, visual that's awesome. guide to Labyrinth here, and wow. I didn't realize some of the other casting that they had considered for the role oh. of Jared that oh, okay. they had written out. So I have a a copy of a handwritten note here that they had looked at. Yes, Sting, David mm-hmm. Bowie. David Lee Roth from Van Halen. Oh, um, okay. Rod Stewart, Freddie Mercury, Prince, Ted Nugent, and Michael Jackson. Really? Um, huh. Now imagine that multiverse of madness. Oh yeah. Gosh. Where Michael Jackson, where Captain EO is Jared. Yeah, I was going to say Captain EO, he did, he did the, a similar thing in, in that. Right. But okay. That's right. Huh. But I, I think that, that you could not have this movie. For me, my, my classic maker is Jennifer Connelly, which I got to be careful about because I watched this movie when I <laughs> was she's nine. she's 14, Tony. she was she's 14. 14. But that, listen, that worked out for Anakin and, and Padme. All right. That was oh the way. Oh, my gosh. Awesome. Wow. And that was a happy ending, I think. I never watched all the, the prequel trilogy. Uh, but no. <laughs> But the uh, I, I I have I fell in love immediately with Jennifer Connelly as a kid, mm-hmm. and I have a really mm-hmm. hard time watching it now as an adult, not going ah and going oh nope she's fourteen. But that doesn't <laughs> stay, stop David Bowie who's thirty nine in this movie. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's so something definitely. That my wife. Yeah, the whole wet thing dress scene was. It, yeah, mm-hmm. it's something something for sure. But they cast this movie so well. Uh, Jennifer yeah. Connelly, she's a better Luke Skywalker than Luke Skywalker because she starts out as a really unlikable whiny teenager. Yes. Who just wants to play with her toys and go to Tashi Station for power converters? Yeah, and then she ends up in this place on a quest that she didn't ask for. And legitimately, by the end of this movie, she did what what it took Luke to do in three movies. I mean, she well, became a, a a total bad dude. Smacking well, now you just epic of reality. Now you're just stepping all over my classic maker, Tony. Thanks. I'm a so lot sorry. <laughs> no, no, I don't. It's not a step on. It's a. It's a step with. We're all we're oh, okay. Step on with. This thing and step unity. with. All right. But great casting yeah. in this movie. Well, and I will say it, it's not so much about the casting. I mean, I think it has a lot to to do with how Jennifer Conley played Sarah. But the character of Sarah is my classic maker. I love how, like you're just alluding to there, uh, Tony, that she starts off as really selfish and. Um, Annoying. Snotty. No, well, I was going to say snotty, just like only cares about herself. But she really be throughout the process of the movie. And I can think of like key moments where this happened, where like 
like where she becomes more sacrificial and uh, stalwart even and is like ready to just go up against big bad Jareth. But like I remember in the beginning, she's like upset with uh, Hoggle because she thinks she's betraying her. And then by the end of the movie, she's she's willing to forgive him, even though she she knows he actually betrayed he betrayed her. So I just I really appreciate that subtle growth. And throughout the movie, there's like these key moments where you could you sort of see that transition happen. And I, I really appreciate that. So one of the notes that I didn't I never really made a correlation with in, in that mm-hmm. kind of character arc that she had was mm-hmm. uh, Jim Henson originally wrote that he wanted this movie to be kind of a cross between The Wizard of Oz and Poltergeist. And okay. um, I, 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 it, written in his handwriting, man, I just saw it in the book. But I thought about this as kind of being a Wizard of Oz, like a Dorothy type adventure. Oh, absolutely. You have sure, a, yes. Young, naive, inward focused girl. That's one of the books out. that she has in her bedroom. In, that in, oh, really? Was her right. Oz? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. But then and you the, think Polter, but Poltergeist meant that's a creepy movie. Yeah. And but I've never seen it, so I don't. I don't know. I imagine it is. But Jarrett is uh, Jarrett, Jarrett's a creepy character. It has too. a disappearing yeah. child in it, so don't watch it. Yeah. I think I think somebody eats chicken and pulls their face off. I haven't seen it since I was in, uh, ridiculously too young to watch. It. Um, <laughs> I don't like scary movies, and that movie's probably why. Uh, that's fair. That's but fair. but but this the, there's a very creepy and and. The, the relationship that they have is very compelling mm-hmm. and off-putting at the same time. Absolutely. And I love but, that. But so to what you were bringing up before, uh, Chris, about she's a disobedient girl, and she is, but she grows to become something so much more, and that's why I appreciate it. Because it would be boring if she started off It'd be very like she's a I think the term is Mary Sue. If she started off great and she ends great, she's there's no character growth. That's not interesting to watch. So it's those kids that never have consequences for their disobedience that I despise. Like Toby for crying. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, geez, Toby. Toby. <laughs> you need a spanking to stop crying. I'll give you something to cry about. <laughs> wow. We do not condone spanking infants. I do not condone that. Now, when they're older, maybe. Anyway, uh, let's get to our next, you know, the things we did. Oh, wait. Oh, sorry, guys. I thought we could get to our dislike section. But, alas, there is one more thing I forgot. Stunning and Brave. Each week, hosts Chris Cowan of the Babylon Bee and Nate Henderson of some boring budgeting job confess their privilege, spotlight stunning social media posts, and fabricate outrage, all while keeping you super woke and enlightened. They will make you laugh. That's right. You have no choice. Uh, check out Stunning and Brave at stunningandbrave.net. That's great, Francisco, and I'm glad we have Chris on here. But Yes. That sounds what? like a great show. Yeah. You guys should, I, I'm, I'm going to check that out as soon as I'm should, Chris I'm liking subscribing and leaving a five-star review right now perfect yes. fantastic but um point of order what does stunning and brave have to do with labyrinth well, like you said Chris is here reviewing labyrinth with us oh, you... his co-host Nate Henderson is the voice of our very own goblin king in our ship's logs I mean it's okay. like it might as well be like we're we're in labyrinth right now yeah. If you think, and Jennifer the, Connelly the, is both stunning and brave. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Exactly. Thank okay, I'll buy it. All right, good. Uh, would you also buy some trivia about Labyrinth, Paul? Sure. Okay, good. Uh, it'll be five bucks. No. Um, did you all realize that newspaper clippings showing Sarah's mother and a man resembling Jareth can be seen on her bedroom mirror early in the movie? 
Supplemental material, including the novelization of Labyrinth, explained that this man is a fellow actor and Sarah's mother left her family for him. Needless to say, this detail adds a tremendous amount of significance to the, his role as the Goblin King. So my question to you is, if you could, if you could play a part in a stage performance of Labyrinth, what character would you like to play? So let's begin with Paul. What character would you like to play in the stage performance of Labyrinth? Ludo. He's my favorite character. It'd be fun to be in that suit and everything. <laughs> you th- okay, all right. That's right. And you're, you're certainly tall enough to, to take, sure. that, take on that challenge. Awesome. How about you, Chris? Oh, David Bowie, just for the hair alone. Yes. But, yes. Uh, but I could totally... <laughs> Give me that I, I could totally ham. Yeah. I could totally <laughs> ham it up for that dance magic baby dance song. So... Awesome. Fantastic. How about you, Tony? Who are you in Labyrinth, the Broadway musical? I want to be the guy who sticks his arm behind Jareth and juggles the little crystal orbs. Oh, yes. <laughs> can you actually do that? No, I cannot. Oh. That's why I want to be that guy. Yeah. I, I wish I was cool enough to be Jareth. That would be awesome. I mean, he's a great character, man. He's, you know, he's dangerous. He's deadly. He's, you know, but but I, I don't think I could pull it off, man. Uh, totally I, fair. I, I'd stand. Uh, I, I'd be happy if I could be the understudy for Hoggle. <laughs> very good very good great trivia francisco thank you bob and now that we've all had some trivial fun let's find out what memories you our awesome rewinders had about labyrinth all right over on locals dave dale 71129 says i remember uh talk how i remember talk how this was the collaboration of jim henson and george lucas i like david bowie but sometimes wonder if alice cooper would have been a better choice oh um, as, uh, as Jareth, I think I thought Jennifer Conley was pretty, but overall this would be on my bottom shelf referring to the bottom shelf podcast. D Tungsten says Jennifer Conley quote, make the kid pee unquote. <laughs> I don't remember that. I, I remember that either. I think that's a line in dance magic dance that people misunderstand. I think it's slap that baby, make him free, but a lot of oh. people think it's make, make him, make him pee. If I had to guess. Thank okay. you, that's probably it. That makes sense. That's probably what the reference is to. Is yeah. that Dan? okay? Uh, Detoxin goes on to say the snail guy, the obliette, David Bowie was in it. Nice Escher bit at the end. Oh, and the owl. I missed this movie back in the day. Went to watch it in the more modern times, maybe 20 years ago now. I didn't care for it too much. Hmm. I've want, I've watched it a few times now. My wife loves it. So we have it. And I find it's just okay, despite some cool parts. I know a lot of people like this movie, and I probably would have liked it more had I seen it back in the day. So it earns a well-deserved nostalgic for me. Oh, okay. Uh, Celeste of Geek Devotion says, I watched it for the first time when I was six, so I don't remember a lot other than dancing, singing, and David Bowie's pants being far too tight. Fabulous Lomax says, I remember that I've never seen it, but... (laughs) It has a Star Trek connection. Oh. Uh, Cheryl McFadden. I think it's Gates McFadden, actually. He gets there in a second. Oh, okay. Cheryl McFadden, fine. The director of choreography and the Muppet movement. And the person who taught David Bowie how to waltz for the film was supposed to also play the girl's mother. However, UK laws, UK labor laws said that she couldn't do both. A A few years later... Under the name Gates McFadden, she was cast as the Dr. Beverly Crusher in the Star Trek Next Generation. Indeed, indeed. 
I'm glad that uh, didn't happen because it would have messed me up if Sarah was Wesley Crusher's sister. <laughs> <laughs> They're not connected, but okay. On Over on Facebook, uh, Michael Fraley says, Okay, I have a very fond appreciation for Jim Henson and Jennifer Connelly. Not to mention that David Bowie was uh, pretty grand in the role. Also, Gates McFadden, a.k.a. Dr. Crusher from Star Trek, did the choreography. All things considered, it's a weird film, but I like it. Stanley Wright says, David Bowie. That's about it. Okay. And Ashley uh, Ruiz says, David Bowie and Jennifer Connelly did, did an incredible job in their respective roles. The fearsome Goblin King and the desperate older sister doing what she can to recover her brother after making a terrible mistake. All of the supporting characters add their own unique charm to the film, which only disappoints in its anticlimactic climax and out-of-place original songs. David Bowie is a talented songwriter, but the songs don't fit. Make it make sense! Yeah. Well, thank you all for sharing those memories. And How many whoever commented that to catch me outside? We're going to throw hands. That was Ashley Ruiz. So you know her. Yeah, so no, you guys I, can throw oh, hands. I know her. I know we're throwing hands. Yeah. Okay. I ain't afraid of anybody from Colorado. <laughs> uh, but should you be afraid of the things we didn't like about Labyrinth? Let's bring up our worst clothes. And let's be, and I'm going to kick us off with something I didn't like about Labyrinth. And that would be, um, I don't, and this is jumping pretty much to the end of the film. I don't understand why the bad guys come back to a room. I understand why the good guys reappear. Why you have, you know, Hoggle, Ludo, Didymus. But why are a lot of the bad guys there in yeah, room the goblins and, and the redhead. Like, the she's happy the... to see those those freaks that wanted to tear off her head. Like, yeah. why? Yeah, why? <laughs> I, yeah. Can someone tell, talk about it, make it make sense? Uh, Tony or Chris, you guys got any insight into that? It's, it's a battle droids thing. You know, the big boss dies, so everybody else, like, you know, they just, all the evil in the land oh. was gone. Everybody's just oh. happy now. Because the, uh, don't roll your eyes at me, Francisco. Uh, I don't know. If I you should, that, because but... she didn't defeat the Goblin King. She just rescued her brother. Yeah, yeah that's he, a good point. Yeah. He's still he out there. The owl was outside the, the thing, the, 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 the room. The yeah, window. So he's still alive. Yeah. Whatever. She revealed <laughs> that thing that separates the, the room from the outside with the clear view. Yeah, it opens sometimes, has yeah. shades. What's that called? Maybe it's French. I don't know. Oh, I think what it's more say, It's more that, like, because the whole story is kind of like, like, did it happen? Did it not? Was it in her imagination? Was it not? And so mm -hmm. it's more like once she comes out of the labyrinth and goes back to her home, it's mm -hmm. kind of like, oh, this was just like a fanciful adventure, much like reading a book. And like even the bad guys in the book are your friends because they were part of that adventure. Oh. So when she's back in the room with all, all the characters reminiscing on the adventure she she just went on, just just like a book she, she just read. That's she my wasn't reminiscing. She was dancing. Last minute. It wasn't a dream. Was, it was real. She she was reminiscing. It's <laughs> it's, it's all confusing. Yeah. You know what? I don't Honestly, know. that makes sense to me. I, I I will buy that. I will buy that for a dollar. Uh, what? But uh, Tony, what's something you wouldn't buy for a dollar that has to do with this movie? If there was uh, if there was one scene that I could cut from this movie, and it is I've never liked it since I was a child, and as time has gone on, it has not grown on me. That is the the fireys and the song Chili Down. Yes. It does not fit in this movie. Like the yeah. man said, don't lose your head. It's just it, it just thematically doesn't fit, musically doesn't fit. It's just a, a it's And they're a not weird good little... singers. Like 
No. It, it, it's a horrible You don't like scene. the way Elmo sings, Paul? <laughs> it's not Elmo singing. Oh, well, he's one of the puppeteers and voices, so I, I figured he was, but maybe not. I don't well, know. Elmo's voice isn't. Okay, yeah. fine, Paul. Uh, I'm curious, by show of hands, is the fire gang singing anyone else's Tragic Maker? Okay, just me. That's fine, but we'll talk about it Well, it's a dislike for me, but it's not a Tragic Maker. Okay, well, why don't you expand more on why you disliked it, Paul? I just said it's just horrible. It, yeah, it it doesn't make. It, yeah, it, I don't. I don't like it. And you don't like unfortunately, it. I it, it was ahead of its time with the green screen or the blue yeah, screen or whatever. Yeah. But unfortunately, it doesn't hold up. Yeah, I I completely agree. Did you have any more thoughts on that, Tony? Or no, I, it just it doesn't. It doesn't hold up. The rest of the movie is so masterful in what it does, and then all yeah. of a sudden, right in the middle of it, we're in like the never-ending story too, and it yeah, just doesn't, yeah. doesn't work out. It, yeah, it does not. I I would I think you could cut that. I totally agree. You could cut that, and you'd be fine. Uh, Chris, what would you cut from this film, and it'd be fine? Mm-mm. Um, cut it so much as I'd add, I'd add extra layers to it, and that's oh, David okay. David Bowie's tight pants. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe only shoot him from the from the waist up. Yeah. Wow. I, yeah. Um. <laughs> but most of the puppets are shorter than him, Paul. So I don't I think know. that'll work. To, I mean, to be honest, that that scene felt very much in in line with with the movie that is labyrinth because there's just a lot of i i came away with from that movie with a lot of questions there's just a lot of things that don't make a lot of sense why mm-hmm. are david bowie's pants so tight is what is yes what is the deal with those those, those truth and lies guards anatomically speaking because you got like one guy on, on top and you got <laughs> another guy and they're covered with that card and i'm afraid to know what's behind that giant card because the enemy there something's something's not right also let me just let me just jump in and say that in the in the credits they're only listed as two different characters so in Mm. in the novelization they all have four names because sarah names them four different names but in the in the credits they're only two characters so i think that that's that's a weird like i got a head coming out of my crotch kind of anatomy there so it's best that they hold those doors so you don't see Yes, like I said, I'm absolutely. afraid. I'm afraid to know what what's behind this because it was <laughs> it was it was concerning. Also, I'm pretty sure that was an anus in the bog of eternal stench. I'm just saying. Oh so yeah, absolutely, like, many of them. Oh yes. what? I'm just. I never got and, that, but yeah. thanks. Now just, I can't unsee that. You will never unsee it. Nope. So wow. I'm just saying. I'm just. So I guess. Guess my my thing for this. My my first complaint is. There's, I have a lot of anatomical questions that I do not <laughs> about labyrinths. Okay. All right. So that, so we, you need sort of like a Gray's Anatomy for labyrinths to sort of flesh out these, no, I, these questions you have. I think I specifically don't want, I have so many, oh, I have a okay. lot of questions and I want none of the answers. Okay. <laughs> wow. Well, I want an answer to what Paul's next dislike is. So how about you give me that, Paul? Um, this was going to be my first dislike, but we jumped ahead with that other song that with I the fire is gang song. Yeah. Pointless. Um, but basically that opening intro, I thought they could have done the credits while she was running through the rain. Like why, why extend the movie yes, even longer? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, that's a good point. Now, and, and, you know, it, with that fake CGI owl, 
which was great back in the day. I mean, mm-hmm. back in the 80s on our CRT yeah. TV screen when taping it off of uh, HBO, it looked great. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. But this time watching it, it was so boring. It reminded us of uh, another song of another movie about a, a, with a bird flying through the credits, and that was Lady Hawk. So we literally mm. turned off Labyrinth and watched Lady Hawk instead. Really? Yeah. Like you were, you were going to watch this, but you're like, yes. let's watch Lady Hawk and set. We did, yes. Did you end up watching this film? Oh, no. Yeah, late, the, the next day, the yes. 1990s Labyrinth or something. No, yeah, yeah. And then I had to rewatch <laughs> this one. So eventually we got there. Oh, well, that's good. Okay, so the CGL and the long crowd sequence. Unfortunately, the CGL was way ahead of its time. Yeah, uh, one yeah. of the first characters, the fully animated characters in a yeah. movie, mm-hmm. uh, doesn't hold up, but it, it it also makes it extra long. Just put the credits in the rain. Yeah, I, I would totally be behind that, Paul. Um, let's go to Tony next. What's something else you don't like about Labyrinth? This is a, a stupid, simple one. It bothers me every time. Nobody mm-hmm. is going to hell over this, but there's some dialogue choices, and it's specifically in the context of between Sarah and her parents. And I don't know if they wrote it oddly to make her seem overly dramatic, but just some mm-hmm. of the choices of how, like, the syntax of what she says, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, you really did want to talk to me, didn't you? Practically broke down the door. Like, yeah, they're gone. I'm like, like, are you being that, sarcastic? I couldn't quite tell what she was great, trying to do. You're a guy. That. You can never tell a teenage girl. Oh, wow. Yeah, you're, you're 100% right. But there's just something about the way that was phrased and worded. It just seemed yeah. very awkward. And it's only the interaction between the, yeah. the very unnecessary dialogue between dad and her. Also, talk about that dialogue. What's the deal with like her? The dad telling his wife, the uh, Sarah's stepmother, "I'll talk to her. Uh, we're leaving for the night." What the hell was that talking to her? <laughs> yeah, just that whole that whole thing was. Just, maybe there's an unedited version, like a director's cut somewhere, oh, maybe, yes. where that's just the most poignant scene in the movie. <laughs> you know, people are weeping and run into the yes. altar, but but no, it's Absolutely. not happening. Wow. Um, yeah, I could totally, I totally get that, uh, Tony, as a dislike. Um, something that I didn't like, um, like you, that could be a revision, d- revising that dialogue. I, I feel like the, the movie would have been even more, um, the climax would have, it's not really the climax. The climax, like we were saying before, is the MC Escher, uh, painting. But before that, the, uh, the, what's, what's it called? The, Pen, pen ultimate climax, the, the pen climax, whatever you want to call it. Um, where they're in Goblin City and you have that mecha, mecha goblin thing. I wish that there would have been, a, uh, the mecha goblin would have been the end, the climax of that whole sequence. Like they got, got in the city, then all the, all the, the guys are coming around, all the goblins they have to get away from. And then they get to the mecha god, the mecha godzilla, the mecha goblin, and they're having to deal with that. And that's when Hoggle comes in and rescues him. I think that would have made it even more poignant that he comes in when at the dire straits and then he commands the mecha goblin. This is Francisco Fabio's fan fiction, by the way. He controls mecha, mecha goblin and like takes out all the armies. I think that would have been a much better way to get rid of the armies and have a much more cool ending to that whole sequence um so i, I don't know why they I, started I, with it i've never thought about that i agree and, and instead what we got was kind of a deus ex rockina you know yes. with Ludo yes with of, all the rocks and that. Yeah. i think we're and that worked great for the the swamp of eternal stench i think that's that's all i needed from his rock powers i think that would have been great to have gone across that but then yeah then i'm like okay i would much rather this other 
what I said. <laughs> um, Chris, why don't you give us something that you would say to make this movie better before I get to our tragic makers? Um, as 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 Chin as David Bowie is, I, I feel like the soundtrack left much to be desired, especially yeah with the freaking like. It's that 80s synth. Like, I get that was big at the time. That's just like an artifact from the 80s. But it was pretty hard to stomach sometimes just how, oh, really? okay. how hard they hit that that leaned into synth for the soundtrack. Yeah. It, was, it was just a little rough for me. Okay, that's fair. I, I mean, I liked what Trevor Jones did with the, the score. Um, which even including the synth, but yeah, I could see, like, like I, I agree with my wife that that uh, the Dave always Bowie songs didn't seem to, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, no, wait, what, what? <laughs> no, I will never agree. <laughs> Hear that, Ashley? Um, but um, I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna be in the bog of eternal tension. Anyway, remind me again, Chris, what was your dislike? The music. The music, okay. The I just got the, all the synth, sort of lost. Especially the synth. the synth. Okay, the synth music. Go. Are you referring specifically to like the score or the David Bowie songs or a little bit of both? Uh the mainly the score. Like I can I can kinda of forgive it a little bit more when it's mixed in with the David Bowie songs. Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. but when it was just used like synth as the score. Uh, wasn't my favorite. I think yeah, that that's uh, really the composer, did you say his name was Trevor Jones? Yes. Yeah, the composer also did the music for Dark Crystal. And um, oh, okay. I, I think it was an intentional choice that they wanted to make it not quite as immersive in period. They wanted mm-hmm. to bring that sort of rock opera, Jesus Christ superstar, sort of modern <laughs> instruments into it as a hybridized, uh, hybridized version of the soundtrack. So that was an intentional choice that that he yeah. and uh, Jim Henson made. I agree that sometimes it sounds a little dated. Yeah, it but, dates it for sure. But again, yeah. that, that's when I, I don't know how old the average age of the uh, the panel is here. But uh, I was. I'm 41. I, Paul's in his mid 40s. Chris is in his late 30s. Is that accurate? Yeah, he's a baby. Look at him. I'm a baby. But, uh, <laughs> I just, I just remember not. It doesn't seem as out of place because I, I was there. You know, I remember mm-hmm. it from the time. So I carry right. that sort of that age with me. You know, so it it didn't bother me as much. But that's exactly. I think a younger generation would have a really hard time hearing that and appreciating it if that wasn't the world that they lived in. So Tony, you were there before the dark times, before the empire. I, <laughs> don't quote I the old there, magic me, Rich. I was there <laughs> when it was written. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, speaking of old witches, uh, let's talk about our tragic makers for this film. Uh, And let's start with Chris. What did you hate most about Labyrinth? You guys, you guys are going to hate me for this. But I thought. I hate Jeffrey Conley. Sarah's horrible. Yes. Yes, actually. Oh, that's actually. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Love it. Okay. Okay. Expand. Why do you think so? Yeah. Okay. I felt like, you know, kind of to Tony's point about what makes the Muppets Christmas Carol so great, where like Michael Caine is a fantastic actor and he's interacting with these puppets and and it's just it's like they're all the same. This did not feel like that. That felt like that felt very much like, okay, there's David Bowie singing a weird song right now. And then there's Jennifer Connelly and her acting and the dialogue 
doesn't make sense. Like, that, <laughs> like exactly like you're talking about that line where she's like, oh, oh you're not even going to like try it. I don't remember what the line is, but you're like, you're not even yeah. going to try. And then the whole those weird lines where she's like, King, Goblin King, take like it's just not believable. She's not believable as a character, and she's not likable. And I get that. Uh-huh. That's like, yeah. I get that. Yeah, that's like her sure, yes. her story arc. <clears throat> but if you're mm-hmm. going to introduce a character who needs to grow, you want your audience to to care about them and want to and see them for grow. Them in and in order way. to yeah. In order to do that, you need to insert something in the beginning that makes her a little bit likable, that makes her a little yeah. bit sympathetic, that she makes does. people want to see her overcome her other flaws. And I did not see it. She You're tries insane. to bring the dog in from the rain, but the mom won't let her. That's weak oh. sauce. That no, is weak that's, sauce. That's that's actually more more poignant than I would have ever. I never even noticed that. But you're right. Yeah, you are right. I don't think that would do it, though. I feel like, well, I, I don't know what would do it, but I, I feel like that's that, that is a good point. Though. See, I just thought it was bad dialogue. I didn't blame Jennifer Conley on that, like or bad directing, too. Now, now you're like in, in the ballroom would, dancing. Now, look at <laughs> look, yeah. look for the Goblin King and look at him in a weird way. Like, <laughs> no, I. I'll totally throw Jim. I think it was Jennifer Connelly as much as it was probably Jim Henson not being used to directing humans. And, right. Oh, yeah. That could very well be. And yeah, that yeah. could totally yeah. be it. I, I, I totally forgot about the dog coming in from the rain thing. And I think that might have been that save the cat kind of moment yeah. that, yes. that that could have <clears throat> could have built some sympathy. But. It wasn't strong. But then it she yells at the dog, strong. go to the garage. <laughs> you, you know, what, you yeah. know what would have made that better for me and like fixated in my mind as they save the cat moment? If she actually mm-hmm. took, what's his name? Ambro- not Ambrosius. What's the, I know it's the same Merlin. dog, but Merlin. Merlin. Merlin to the garage, wiped him down, told him, like, I don't know, said something sympathetic to the dog. I'm yeah. sorry she's like this. I, yeah. I, I wish you could have just come in. It, and then proceed the movie. But, I, I'm I'm yeah. going to halfway agree with you, Chris, but, um, in the fact that I agree that she is a total unlikable character. I didn't see character growth in her. I really? saw oh, well. an immediate difference between when, there, when the baby disappeared uh-huh. versus... There's there's no like oh look at this arc there's like she's a spoiled yeah. brat and then all of a sudden when the kid disappears she's like no I'll go through the labyrinth I'll save him and from that point on she's been gung ho at least that's gonna, the way I saw I'm it. I'm gonna disagree. I mean there's several points where like in the oubliette she or not the oubliette but um she's going through it and then she says she keeps saying things aren't fair and then she finally mm-hmm. stops saying that she is realizing okay well, I just have to do learning this. but that's not a life. <laughs> character you know trait she's taken on she's looking at the labyrinth that way she's realizing i i have to i have to figure this out i can't just that's what they want you to think (laughs) (laughs) these writers this is what you think she's growing yeah Yeah. fictional character i see he's not still the same yeah. <laughs> big Muppet. Big You're in, in deep in the pockets of Big Muppet. I, I think I think there are definitely like like it hits some points of character development, yeah. Paul, but you're right, they are kind of shallow. Um yeah, like all right. the the whole like you don't have power over me thing feels a little that weird because it's like yes. 
Yes. Because it's like, was that really the struggle at the beginning? Was that the conflict that was introduced at the beginning? No. The Not conflict really, no, that was introduced at the beginning was that um, I don't like my family and I <laughs> don't like my, being responsible for my little kid and I want to live in this fantasy world. And so I guess you could stretch it to be like, okay, the Goblin King like represents the fantasy world and it making mm-hmm. she's releasing that power over it, but it's it it's weird. There's not a know. direct connection. It's yeah. yeah, it's not yeah, it's not a direct I, connection. But I do I would say there was some. I think yeah. they were going for something there, you know, with the un, unpacking yeah. of the, the the backstory with her mom and that whole thing. You see the pictures of her mom, you know, the autograph pictures of her mom, the things like that in the room. There's sort of this mm-hmm. I, I idealized version of you know what she could have been or what she aspired to be, and I think that she blamed everybody else for her problems. Mm-hmm. She blamed everybody for her situation, and there was a very sure. you know internal mm-hmm. I'm the I, main character energy, but in the most negative way. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 that's the thing. But but she had that strength and she had that ability to overcome. Yes. Uh, she just had to realize that her circumstances, <clears throat> the decisions that other people made and the things that other people did that affected her negatively don't have power over her, that she does yeah. have the ability to be the hero no matter what is thrown at her no matter where she's put instead of saying it's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. Finally, she said it doesn't matter if it's not fair. Mm-hmm. You have no power over me. And I think there is there is kind of a it, it's it's very loose. It's very children's book. I get it. I mean, you're not looking for some kind of profound like, let me just. This isn't Gerald token. Jeez, what the deal? Right. But but, you know, she I got to say, Tony, I'm just saying, like, in children's movies now, the bar has been set so freaking high. Thanks to Pixar. I just watched Puss in Boots and nearly cried. So I am expecting oh, that. Wow. <laughs> like seriously, I get it. you almost cried at. I got you know. It, 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 somebody was cutting onions in the theater. It wasn't. You know. <laughs> I'm just saying, fair. it was a good movie. It was deep, but but I I also recognize this is 80s and and you can't have the same expectations. It was so, a simpler time. Here's here's one. Yeah. Let me let me let's let's see. Uh, Who's tragic? I, I have honestly forgotten who's tragic maker we are on. Is that yours, Chris? Th- this was mine. Did, like uh, Jennifer Connelly. Yeah, yeah. That's well. It. it was more like and and David Bowie. Like, why is the Goblin King not a goblin? I don't understand. Okay, that. you know yeah. what? You just, I okay. am unsubscribing yes. right now from the Sunny and Brave podcast. <laughs> <laughs> One star would not rate. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. David Bowie fan <laughs> one two three or one three three seven. I hate this podcast. Yeah. No, so kind of uh, kind of the backstory of that was that he didn't want to be the Goblin King, that he was pulled in sort of how she was pulled in and uh, brought oh, really? into this world. That, yeah, that was kind of the, the unspoken mythology and the development of the character that David Bowie oh, kind of worked interesting. up. Was oh. that he, he was the reluctant Goblin King, and that's why oh. he wanted companionship. That's why he wanted somebody else to come in and be like him. Like because, a Peter Pan almost. Yeah, so he was, he was bored even. and he was cruel. And creepier because he's way older. Yes, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, isn't Pierre Pan really okay. a lot older than Wendy, but he just hasn't aged? Maybe. Thank you for anyway, ruining that book for me now, too. Anyway, I, I want to say one more thing about Sarah's character. And then because I, 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 this is something that's really resonated with me um, when uh, I think a lot of um, like I, you look at the landscape of uh, female heroes, at least in this the from in the late 2010s to now. And there, 
the way I the way I sort of see it is there's a lot of like let's take a we could write this as a male character, but let's just make her make the male character female instead of like let's actually make a hero that's a female character. And with this, like something mm-hmm. that's very I, I mean, <clears throat> cancel me, whatever. I, I feel like something that's very uh, emblematic or very um, distinct about women is their their uh, call to make relationship. Like God made them for to make relationships. I mean, that's why they birth children. And so in this, that's you, why Sarah's, they birth children. I thought they were pregnant. That's a symbol of a Paul. <laughs> oh, in this, she's she doesn't want relationships. She wants Tony. Uh, to, Tony, Tony, thank, stay thank here. You. Thank Toby, you very much. No, no, oh no, oh no. I'm okay with that. <laughs> she wants Toby out of her life. She doesn't want. She doesn't like her mom. She and then as she progresses through this movie, she's building relationships with all these characters that then culminates in her wanting Toby in her life again. She becomes the Lancelot. So I feel like this is a great example of a. Uh, a feminine hero. So that's all I'll say about that. Yes, there could be better ways of like her in the beginning, giving her uh, something to root for her, not really working with some of the puppeteering and uh, not being directed. Well, all that I will give you, this isn't a perfect case. I just think that's something that should be appreciated because I, I mean, I, I saw it, maybe no one else did, but I wanted to, I wanted to say that before I get like really lay into this movie with my tragic maker. But before we get there, uh, Tony, what did you hate most about labyrinth? Yeah, you know, as a female character, which I think is pretty rare, uh, especially in that day when everything was kind of marketed towards how many action figures can you sell? Yes. Uh, for for a, a, a young woman to be the the lead in a fantasy story and not just the, you know, the with me as always, it was um, it was a very cool, inspiring kind of break the mold thing. However, I don't know what the 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 push was for over sexualizing her. And it was intentional because. Well, I, I, like I said, I, I was reading some I, of the I think the, the they showed her ankle notes. once. No, 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 no. I'm not talking. I'm not talking like they, they were they were making, you know, her, her promiscuous or anything like that. But uh-huh. part of part of her journey from the conception of this movie was that she would be kind of discovering her sexuality in this. Really? And he, yeah. And oh, that's my, OK. That's that's uncomfortable for me because she definitely is young. David Bowie is 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 older and i mm-hmm. i get the idea that he kind of represents that rock star uh, but you know, it's apparent sure. that she has daddy issues clearly yeah, clearly sure but the whole yeah. thing with the so that the, the one scene in the movie which when i was a kid i was bored by as the worlds fall down you know like the as yeah. the world falls down i i just thought okay this is a slow part of the movie and yeah. it's kind of weird but now i'm just so uncomfortable about it because mm. of the age difference i'm uncomfortable that- about it because she's a kid that's in the in the crystal ball when they're mm-hmm. in that yeah. dance. Okay, yeah. okay. She's got the big hair and the the big yeah, bougie yeah. dress and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But the whole symbolism of the the forbidden fruit and it's a peach, which is kind of symbolic for sexuality. And it's there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of suggestive visuals in the masquerade mm-hmm. ball, and mm-hmm. it's very nightmarish and uh, eyes wide shuttish. You know, like mm-hmm. it's really really uncomfortable. And and I understand that that's that's. You know, you can watch plenty of fantasy movies or read plenty of fantasy books where that happens. It's just a little weird for me because she's a young teenager. Mm-hmm. And uh, so so that's yeah. just something I, that's I, I have a hard time connecting the dots on that one. Yeah. yeah. 
young teenagers don't struggle with sexuality. That's no, no, yeah, hormones don't play a part. I will say, I mean, I feel like that's something she overcome. Where like if if that bit from and I got that bit from the trivia about IMDb, her mom going to be with this Dave Bowie character, whatever it was, whoever it was. I feel like that's a that actually shows how she doesn't have to. You don't have to give in to those sexual urges even as a kid. But I still get how that's uncomfortable for being initially like a kid's movie. But and, and I, I, I get know. I'm with you. I agree with you. But just the idea that a bunch of old men wrote this movie for a yeah. young girl oh, to I play see. that scene out. You know, that's a, that's a little weird. OK. All right. I I, I cannot dis, uh, dis, uh, disagree. I, disagree. Thank you. <laughs> that's the word. What's that thing that you look out of? It's in the wall. I don't know what that's called. <laughs> Actually, um, that right goes right into my tragic make. Perfect. Go uh, for it, Paul. Tony is saying that basically there it's too adult. There's mm-hmm. things that are too adult for this movie. I think there are things that are too kiddie yeah. for it. Oh, did Paul pause for you guys at I guess all? We'll never find. He <laughs> the goblins. The goblins took him away right now. <laughs> well, he's a lively little chap. I think I'll call him Jared. Got my eyes. Yeah, it looks like you're back, Paul. Okay, good. All right. So Tony was saying there are things in this film that are too adult. I thought there were things that are in this movie that are too kitty. Um, like hoggle peeing in the pool. pool. Well, I, I no. Okay, but, fine. I'm trying to help you, Paul, but go ahead. Um, no, but I, I, I don't think this movie was made for kids. I thought it was f- for one of those. Um, for the family, or maybe even this, these, like Tony was saying, the they focus on some very uh, more mature themes. So yep. they should have taken away the kid like esque because it was dark, oh, and you don't okay. want to take kids to these nightmares. I mean, just look uh, for the people watching the video; these goblins behind me, you know, there, there, there's some scary stuff you don't want to take kids to, but um. But especially when you get to the the climactic scene in the Goblin City, where it's just like some of the slapstick is is so kid like, and others are uh, like when the the ball cannon gets shot, the the ball says, "Did I hit something?" Yes, yeah. no. It's a lot of the humor is too childlike for me. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. I wish they would have picked a lane, and I wish they would have picked the more <laughs> unlike Tony. I wish they would have picked the more adult theme like yeah. like play for I'm the adults more adult and dark i just you know don't don't over sexualize 14 year olds just kind of one that's of my fine guys. i can agree with you on that yeah, but yeah. let's let's go more adult dark and i think this yeah. movie would have because, been better off for it or fairy or, tales or are certainly way. dark so, so. Oh. let's go so don't chris. Worry, what paul, were you gonna say chris there's there, i was just gonna say don't worry paul there is pan's labyrinth for you so no there we go that <laughs> is dark yes that is everything you're looking for yeah unfortunately and Tony, what were you going to say? No, I think that it could have gone either way. Like, yeah, it, it pick a lane. Exactly like Paul said. Yeah. If, if, you, if you wanted to kind of make it a little more kiddie, I think it would have been better. Kind of just a touch edgier. Not as dark mm-hmm. as Dark Crystal, which was a pretty depressing movie. Mm-hmm. But, um, Absolutely. but just, just just slide it up just a little tiny bit and balance it out. I, I agree 100 mm-hmm. percent. Yeah. Yep. And yeah, I mean, the the signature thing that would have made this movie better that we could have removed is the fire dance gang thing that seemed out of place, which was my treasure maker, which we already ran over, which we already went over. So with that, guys, now that we've entered all our trajectories into the firing computer, Alice, you have a firing solution for us. 
powering solution complete. Rating salvo at the ready, on your mark. All right, it's time for the moment of truth. Uh, let's do we rate Labyrinth a classic. We recommend anyone go see this film, whether or not they've seen it before. A nostalgic, it's worth your time to revisit if you saw it as a kid or a young adult. Um, but if you've never seen it before, skip it and go to something else. Or is it a tragic? We don't recommend it for anyone. If you've never seen it before, keep it that way. And if you have seen it before, don't sully any good memories you have of them with a rewatch. So, Tony, you had predicted nostalgic for Labyrinth. Where did it finally end up for you after your watch? It's a classic. It, it's classic. just it, it's so beautifully made. It, it and, mm -hmm. and there's it has so few movies that could be considered true peers. To mm -hmm. it. So mm -hmm. uh, if you're looking for a puppet based rock opera fantasy movie <laughs> with a female pr protagonist, I mean, I dare you to find its equal. So. Because um, there's only and, one of them. No, I don't know. And as long as there's hot topic kids, there's going to be somebody <laughs> to watch the movie Labyrinth. So, so yeah. I, I say classic with a huzzah. All right. Very huzzah. good. Uh, Chris, you also predicted nostalgic. Where did Labyrinth end up for you? And see, this is a is a tough one. Do am I supposed to rate this just based on on my own personal experience with yeah, it, or am I supposed to think other one. people's? experience so with usually it, it depends you get to pick i usually yeah. based it on okay. my experience paul tends to pick based on other people's experience so you can pick whichever you want i think so if i'm rating it just for myself i would probably honestly put it as tragic oh, um, wow. okay, I, wow. I don't okay. think i i don't think it, it works for like, mm -hmm. like going back and and, and watching it um, but, but again, my introduction to it was uh, a little bit older. I wasn't, you yeah, know, yeah. I wasn't a nine year old crushing on Jennifer Connelly. Um, <laughs> I was a 14 year old crushing on David Bowie and it's just, <laughs> just <laughs> yeah, I mean, makes sense. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, That's are you? but I think, I think for the sake of, I think for our, if I'm just objectively just being like, okay, in general, the mm -hmm. people who grew up with this movie it holds, it holds a, a, a special place in their hearts, I think. And mm -hmm. I think that seems to be the case for the most part. And, and, and I get that. And so I think I'm going to lean into nostalgic just for, for general purposes. Okay. If you yeah, grew yeah. up watching this movie, it's worth going back and visiting again, unlike Ooh. Dragonheart. We, we, <gasps> we almost had to send Big Muppet after you. you. <laughs> Oh my, how dare you besmirch my beloved Dragonheart, Chris? Oh my. Ah, the only good thing about that we movie is the theme. Have you gone back and seen Dragonheart? We reviewed it oh, yeah. in the, the 100s. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that the best you yeah. can do? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my goodness. So before we get to me and Paul's uh, ratings, uh, now uh, starting in the new year, our reflux capacitors at the $5 level get to add to a rating they get to be part of this ra final reign as well i uh, they get to vote and then we collectively pull their votes together to see how they what their uh, final reign for the movies and games we cover are and uh, for the labyrinth they all read labyrinth nostalgic when it's all averaged out so we have so far a classic and two nostalgics paul what was your final reign given you predicted nostalgic where did it end up for you Sigh is not a rain, Paul. Sorry. <laughs> I enjoyed this 
better than the last time I I watched. I think Tony was saying that he enjoys it more each time that he watches mm-hmm. it. There's mm-hmm. more things to appreciate that. And so you know what? I'm going to say nostalgic. Um nostalgic. Okay. Because I don't know when the next time I'm going to put it on. It may be another <laughs> 10 to 20 years. That's fair. That's if, fair. If not ever but i I, if i don't ever watch it again that that's a mistake in my book but Mm -hmm. i know that if you enjoy puppetry this is a must if you haven't seen this and you enjoy puppetry i will say this is a must yeah absolutely yeah all right yeah well that is three nostalgics so mine rain doesn't really uh won't really make the difference but i will say that for me i Wait, wasn't oh, Tony classic? Yeah, 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 yeah. But we Tony already have three nostalgics, and we only have one classic. So even if whatever I rate it, it's going to be nostalgic. So because we do, we do the majority, we don't do averages. We just do the majority. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for the firing, but yeah, spoiler. But I will say, let me, let me, uh, let me, uh, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. This bad boy. Oh um, no! Here we go. <laughs> What's that called? The filibuster? Yes, yeah, exactly. I, mean, I was about to say, for, I, for people who've never seen that movie, that means Francisco's going to go on a long <laughs> rant. No, I actually, I'm not going to. But I do want to say that, um, much like Tony, I see I, there's more in this movie I appreciate each time I watch it. I really enjoyed it this time. Um, I'm going to rate a classic. My kids have no interest in seeing it, so that maybe calls into question. I think that's probably a good idea that you guys rate it nostalgic because those are just my own personal feelings to rate a classic that may not be the zeitgeist of everyone. Um, but I I really love this movie, um, especially each time I see it. So according to the Retro Rewind podcast, though, we all we rate the Labyrinth from 1986, Paul. 1986's Labyrinth, a disputed nostalgic film. We'd recommend going and seeing it again if you've seen it before. But if you've never seen it before, go watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Go do that. (laughs) But now it's time to get back to our own time. Oh, or can we even? Uh, Good old 20XX. 20XX? We gotta save my mom. (laughs) Receiving incoming transmission. That's a good point. Why are we going to 20XX? We got we got to save your mom. But we also have to hear uh, from you guys and thank you all, our reflux capacitors, without which we would not be able to travel back to 1986 to begin with. Namely, Deborah Powers, Geek Devotions, Drew of the Cellcash, Ashley Ruiz, Kenneth In, Fabius Lomax, Rosie Lomax, That's Our Bobo, D. Tungsten, Dale, Mr. Lost, Daryl Hafner, Cool Deluxe, in addition to two other awesome patrons as well. And if you're like, if you're listening to this and you're like, wait, why is my name there? Well, I tried to send out communications on Patreon. We have moved away from Patreon um, and we are now on mainly locals and Subscribestar. um, And our, our pricing structure is different for support. So... Now we, ha- you essentially had, to- we ask that you give at the, or support us at the $5 level to have a shout out, but you get lots of other things in addition to that. Uh, so hopefully if you can support us there, great. If not, no worries. Hopefully you still enjoy listening to the show. Um, but thank you everyone for your gigawatts, uh, and supporting us that way. Are you done? <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was my actual filibuster. Okay. Go, go over to where, Francisco? 
Oh, oh yeah, you might want to know that. Go retroreonpodcast.com slash support. Do you know what reminds me of the babe? The babe with the power? That this stream is sponsored by pauljpowers.com. And while we're thanking people, we also want to give a big, um, but not too big close hug. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to try to, you know, I was going to say a big, yeah, magic hug, but not too close of a hug, you know, because oh, of the goodness. tight pants. Wow. Uh, to, to Tony and Chris for uh, supporting us with their thoughts on Labyrinth. So we'll go around uh, alphabetically. Uh, Chris Cowan, how could people find you online and work in or what you got going on? <laughs> what you got going on? Uh, I, I'm here for the big tight hug. I don't care how tight the pants are. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. Um, uh, yeah, you can, as, as we mentioned, uh, .net, check it out. Uh, we. Stay in Brave.net, is that what you said? Yeah, yeah, that's my podcast, so check it out. Okay, okay, awesome. Oh, I don't know why I'm having audio issues, but uh, yeah, check out Stunning and Brave. We're a comedy podcast. We make fun of uh, really everybody uh, Mm -hmm. and kind of uh, especially anyone from dumb stuff on social media, which is so hard to find these days. (laughs) Oh, yeah. uh, Check that out. so cogent. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's always, always awesome to be on the show with you guys. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you for being here so much, Chris. Yeah. And Tony, where can people find you online? And is there anything cool you got going on? Well, when I just want to let you know that when you're a fat guy, all your pants are David Bowie tight, whether you want them to be or not. (laughs) Wow. Just happens. Uh, No, I yeah, we are. um, You can find me on basically anywhere online. Just uh, look up Tony Talavera or you can find me more directly by looking up the Nerd of God cast, that place where Christ culture and nerd culture finds sweet, sweet two player co-op at Nerd of God cast. Basically on any social media platform, you can listen to us anywhere. Fine podcasts are consumed or you can join our online small group uh, on Facebook, the Nerd of God squad. You can go straight there by going to N.O.G. squad dot com. Awesome, Tony. Thank you so much, Tony. Thank you so much, Chris. And thank you so much to my uh, not too tight pants wearing uh, co-host Paul J. Powers and friend. Uh, and thank you all you rewinders, new or, new or old, for another fun voyage. You're welcome. And you can find me, pauljpowers.com, at pauljpowers.com. And you can find me on our Discord for show announcements or just to say hi. Join us there at RetroRewindPodcast.com slash Discord. This podcast is a proud member of Culture Box, a curated collection of podcasts, videos, and articles that will provide you a balanced meal of content. You will find culture celebrated for its past and future, satirized for its extremes, explored in study, and created anew in story. Point your web browser to culturebox.media. And as Nathan just said, we are now part of the Culture Box Media Network. Find all the shows unpacking truth through story, comedy, and geekery at culturebox.media. And with that, Captain, it looks like we need to wait for the next riddle to unlock. Ah, that darn Jared. All right. Well, thank you, XO, and thank you all for listening. We pray you are more joyful today than when you first hit play. But like a Pokemon, we got to catch you for the next episode, wherever that's going to be. Check out our next ship's log, and maybe you can help us figure out what it should be on the next episode of the Retro Rewind Podcast. (laughs) 
Fourth dimension of doing mission complete. Decoding next riddle. View RRP ship's logs for more details. But should you need us? Yes. Should you need us? I'll call. Thank you. All of you.